Hello, everybody. I'm Tom Farmer, president of the Coopers, and welcome to Fall City Brewing Company, and welcome to the first ever joint barrel-proof Scouse's House in the House podcast. Thank you, everyone, for coming out. We're here on a very auspicious occasion, of course. Our guest tonight on In the House and Barrel Proof is the newly minted coach of Louisville City FC, John Hackworth. Thank you for joining us, Coach. Thank you. And your uh, usual host of Barrel Proof, Taylor Sorrell. Say hi, Taylor. Hola. And the host of uh, one of the hosts, of course, of In the House, Evan Floyd. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So as I am uh, criminally uninformed about most things, I am going to turn this over to Taylor and Evan and allow them to talk to Coach Hackworth for just a little while. We're going to do about 45 minutes of roundtable discussion, let the guys that are in the know quiz Coach on a few things. After that 45 minutes, we're going to do about a 30-minute Q&A session. So after we do, or when we get to that, I'll invite you all up, and you can ask your uh, question of Coach and get a good answer for it. So... Without further ado, Taylor and Evan, please take it away. Thank you, Tom. How's everybody doing? Great. Glad to hear it. Uh, first, I want to say thanks to John Hackworth for being here and joining us and putting up with this. This is uh, a little bit unprecedented for, from our standpoint to have an audience to watch me talk. It's usually just Brianna and Patrick and Tom and, and uh, Patrick Blanton. Uh, but uh, thanks every, again, everybody, for being here. Uh, Tom said uh, we were going to be on for 45 minutes. I think that's... Uh, Ambitious, generous. yeah, very ambitious. Uh, but you know what? We're gonna, we're gonna try. Taylor, uh, we're gonna have some fun. So oh yeah, I'm looking we'll forward to more it. than 45 minutes. <laughs> oh, I, I can't wait to hear the stories. That's all I gotta Although say. Although I don't know what you're gonna ask. So well, that that this might be quicker than you think. <laughs> all right. Uh, so uh, Evan and I have been bouncing questions off of one another this week. It's been a really good thing, and this is the first time Evan and I ever met face to face. So I'm I'm happy to to meet him. He does a great show. I I do a great show, as you all know. Uh, but th- this is a nice collaborative effort that, w- that we're all really eager about. So the first and most important question that I have for you, Coach, is this. Uh, you've been in town for 24 hours now, right? Yeah, probably going on 26 now. Okay, that's, that's even more. Uh, you've had a chance to get to know the players personally, professionally, spiritually. Not spiritually. Oh, but, that, that's but... coming, I'm sure. Uh, but now that you've got the full measure of your squad, because you've actually seen them in the flesh, who has the best hair? The best hair... I got to give it to Paco because that little uh, tail. His, uh, his, his, uh, his, uh, but the Jedi braid. The Jedi braid. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, I didn't ask about it, but it was pretty pretty sweet. From the prequels. We'll act like those exist for for this particular. Yeah, that would be my quick answer would be Paco. Okay, okay. My personal choice, Pat McMahon. I'm a big fan of long long locks. Yeah, okay. But but I understand. That leads me to my next question. So you grew up playing soccer in the the 80s, right? Yeah. So mullets were a huge thing if back then, right? If you pull out a picture of me and a mullet <laughs> right now. I'm, I don't have one. I wish I did. I'm asking if you well, had just one. Just ask my kids because my <laughs> kids can give you all kinds of pictures of me with a mullet. Awesome. So. Awesome. See, and well, I yes, pre- I, wore, I wore it proudly, and somehow I, I attracted my wife. And, uh, I think it's because of the mullet. I don't know how that happened. But. Well, see, and I prefer Brian Ownby because uh, the man wears a beard. He does sport beard. And it's not, it's not easy to make a beard look good. I, I know because I fail regularly, See, and Evan, Brian, I, Brian pulls it off. I've tried to grow a beard, and I can't get to that level. So all I get is, like, some patches on the side here. And uh, one of I'm my best sh- friends says I look terrible. I look like I'm... Well, we're going we're gonna to keep feeding you bourbon, and we'll see if you can't start growing <laughs> one in, because that's really what it feeds does. It a works. beard. It works. Fair enough. That's how I got mine. 
<laughs> Evan, what you got? All right. So I'm curious. You have coached across all levels of soccer. You've coached in the NCAA. You've coached in the MLS. You've coached in international soccer. And in all that time, I'm wondering how you're going to feel moving into the USL now where you're going to have to start facing actually good teams. Is that going to bother you? Yeah, like Toronto. Look, uh, I'm not just saying this, but I am so excited to be part of this club, but especially uh, being in the USL. I think it's a a growing league. Uh, It's underappreciated in America. It also is the league right now that is supporting American soccer players, which is truly, you know, a passion of mine. And so I can't, I can't express to you enough how truly excited I am to be a part of this club and a part of this league. Well, and you've said in some of the interviews you've already done that you were a Tampa, Tampa Bay Rowdies season ticket holder, and now obviously you're coming to Louisville. How are there dare any, you, by the way. <laughs> how dare you? How dare you? Are, are there any other teams that I know that you've said for the last six weeks that you've been studying up on, uh, on Louisville City? Are there any other teams that you've watched that you particularly think play an attractive brand of soccer or somebody that you're already pinpointing as we're going to have to watch out for these guys coming into the season? Well, yeah, I think we play our, you know, on Saturday an opponent that is uh, quite good, that has you know, ambitions to be a club at a much higher level, and obviously um, you know, they've already secured that. Uh, but they have a, a deep roster and a talented roster. Um, you know, the coach and I have coached against each other previously in the MLS, and so I think it starts there. But uh, I've been impressed with the league as a whole, and... Uh, knowing in our first five games uh, we're going to have our work cut out for us because it comes fast and furious. Along those, along those same lines, you've talked a lot in interviews about you know, what attracted you to Louisville City, why was this an attractive job, and we all know the answer to that. It's, it's awesome. Uh, but I think my, my, my question uh, to you is, is kind of the converse. Uh, you know, at the time that uh, our uh, manager search was going on, uh, you had floated your name out, out in the market. So what were you looking, like before you even knew that Louisville City was open, what were you looking for in a club? What would it, take, it taken to get you away from the U-17 national team? It would take a club that was ambitious to win trophies. I that, think that's us. Absolutely. And uh, look, the fact that you're building a soccer-specific stadium, that shovels were already in the ground, um, the first thing I did when I got... Uh, a call asking if I was interested in the job was I went on the website and the first video I saw was of that groundbreaking ceremony. And I was so impressed. I mean, the, from politicians to the ownership group, uh, you know, the support there, I, I was just kind of blown away. And then I started doing a little more research. And the fact that a USL club had the ambition to build a soccer-specific stadium in a great location, very close to downtown, uh, absolutely kind of separated Louisville from all the other opportunities. You talk about uh, building the stadium, and that's extremely exciting. Also, in some of your interviews, you've talked about, uh, about the future of the academy, about the idea that uh, formulating an academy would be important to you. Obviously, you come from a background where you've worked with youth, where you've worked with uh, 17s, which is really on the cusp of being professionals, and also where you've worked with collegiates. Uh, what about building a program, even more than a team, uh, appeals to you about this job? 
Evan, I could talk all night on youth soccer and player development because it's a passion of mine, and in our country, um, very candidly, we don't get it right. Um, we, we build our youth teams to win trophies, and we should build our youth teams to literally build soccer players and athletes to be better than they are. And so that is something that I'm extremely passionate about, and I've been fortunate in my career to be able to coach at all levels. Um, you know, I coached my sons. Uh, when I was the head coach in Philadelphia, I was coaching a, a little U9 team that my youngest son played on. Um, you talk about disrespect from, <laughs> from other fans or parents. You know, they had no idea who I was. I, mean, I know I'm getting off base here for a You're second. Fine. But uh, it was amazing. Uh, you know, I was the head coach of the professional team, and yet, you know, when I'm coaching a U9 game, nobody knew who I was. And they thought your tactics were a little sour. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, you know, why would you do that? Uh, but the point is that I want to make sure that this community is is much a part of everything that we do. And that starts with the youth. And if we can ignite, you know, young kids in this community to be passionate about soccer and to fall in love with it, and then to have the opportunity to be in a professional training environment and to really grow, I mean, I think that's everything. I mean, come on. It, just to build on that, I'm going to ask you some questions that I think a lot of us might already know, but uh, it was about, I think, 10 or 11 years ago when U.S. Soccer started the Development Academy program. Is that correct? Yep. And you were a part of that. Yep. Uh, see, this is good. This is called cross-examination, y'all. <laughs> That's lawyering. Uh, be careful how I answer these, well, this right? Is good. But I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I probably am. Uh, but were you not the first interim director of the entire U.S. SDA? USSF. That is correct. I wasn't the interim. I was the, the, the full-time director. director. I, know, yep. I saw interim on there, but obviously that's a mistake of mine. But, yeah. yeah. So this is something that you have a whole lot of experience with. Yeah, and look, and, and one of the reasons at that time we tried to model that program after what I was in charge of, which was the under-17 residency program in Bradenhood, Florida. And that program was about player development in this country. And it was because so many clubs across the country weren't focusing on the right teaching principles to the best players uh, that were out there. And so that's why the residency program was there. And quite simply, when U.S. Soccer came to me and said, How, what would you do? And I said, well, let's make sure that clubs around the country are doing what we do in our residency program. And it's really simple. We trained more. We trained a little smarter with better coaches. Um, we played less games, but the games we played were more important. And when we actually put our, our soccer players on the field as athletes, we let them play the game. And, and that's so different in this country because our, this country, you know, quite honestly, we, we don't get it about soccer that around the world you don't get substitutions in soccer. You get three, you know. And so as a player, it's a player-centric game where you have to problem-solve and make decisions on the fly constantly. Unfortunately, the way that we do it in youth soccer in this country is rapidly, you know, a kid makes a mistake, sub him out, give him a Gatorade, tell him what he did wrong, put him back in. But that doesn't really grow the athlete. And I know I'm probably getting in the weeds a little uh, bit. I, I like the weeds. We're but good. that was exactly what the idea was, to make sure that we had multiple environments, you know, in communities all over this uh, country that were based on the principles that we were working on in residency. 
and a lot of the good, great players came. Sorry, a lot of great players came out. Like Josie Alzador was an IMG guy. I think yep. Landon Dodd was an IMG guy. Yes. Uh, and I, I think a lot of the guys on the 2010 World Cup team were like, there's like seven of those kids that were, came through IMG, if I'm not mistaken. I heard Tom Farmer was an IMG guy. Is that accurate? He looks like one. <laughs> I can verify that Tom Farmer was not an IMG guy. But no, there's, it, look, every time I, sorry, Tom, <laughs> every time I, I look at a starting lineup of the U.S. men's national team, I default to, okay, we had seven guys in residency. We had eight guys in residency. To your point, when I watched the opening game uh, in the Brazil World Cup, I think it was seven players were represented in the starting 11 who had been through that program. And that speaks volumes about what we did there and why it was so successful, because we literally focused on player development and what it was going to take to get those athletes better, not on the results. You got to have results. You got to have a willingness to win. You got to push players and athletes in that way. But the emphasis was on development. Well, and I think that everybody is incredibly excited to see that get put into practice in a way that would specifically benefit Louisville, Uh, seeing the youth of this community developed in that fashion and then potentially being players for the University of Louisville or Louisville City. And that's exciting. But for them to be able to get out on the field, they're going to have to be coached by the senior team. Right now, you are a one-man show. We just went from having three players in the triumvirate. And before that, we had a three-person coaching team. Uh, do you have any uh, immediate intentions to bring on extra staff, or are you going to rely on Brad Estes to teach people how to play soccer? A hundred percent I'm not going to rely on Brad Estes to teach people how to play soccer. I love Brad, but that is not one of his strengths, I believe. Um, look, I mean, it's, I am going to you know, hire a full staff here. We're going to build out the academy in all the right ways. But we want to work with the leaders in the youth community. That's the first part, right? It would be useless for us to come in and say, we know how to do it better than you, and we're going to do it. No, the better way is to teach, you know, and to, to collaborate and to share ideas and to try to really make the community strong. So it's not just the idea that our Lou City, you know, players will get better, but the whole community will get better. And I think that, you know, there's already some, some coaches in this community that I know very well. I respect immensely, and I'm looking forward to having conversations and, and trying to figure out some of those problems that we have in youth soccer in this country um, and facing them in a way that, as a professional club, we have a little bit of an advantage to get that done. Well, and that's exciting to me because I generally feel that the problems with the, with the national program, not that it was with coaching, <laughs> but... <Thank you. laughs> The problems with the national program tend to be better solved on a regional basis than on some mountain on high saying this is how you're going to do this. And so having a coach say that he wants to develop the community that he's in is really important towards that, pro- towards that prospect. Well, and let's not forget uh, when this club was first founded, that was one of the, the things that uh, revenue was, gonna, was hopefully going to eventually come from, which we've done. We sold Mark Anthony Kay and made some money off of that. We sold Matt Fondy, made some money off of that. But I think that the real way to, to, to go about it, and like this is purely uh, dollars and cents uh, and very cold way to look at it, but one of the ways that this club can make money, aside from us all buying tickets and going to the game on Friday, Saturday, right, uh, is you know, developing good players and being able to you know, get 
whatever USSF's policy on it is. But solidarity payments or training compensation or, or at least a sell-on fee if we had, they end up making the first team. I think it's a, a huge great opportunity. Yeah, that, it, absolutely. So I think it's a, you know, I'm, I'm, I could literally talk to you about this all night, but that, everybody in here to talk about development. They, you, next podcast, we'll get on that. Uh, I think you're come, right, and I yeah. think it's an opportunity for uh, not just Louisville City, but everybody in the USL in particular um, and MLS academies to try to make sure that we do develop players because it is, it is not you know, part of a business model. It is the business model of soccer in the whole world, in football. Um, you look at any club, if they can develop a player, they don't sell them for thousands of dollars. They sell them for millions of dollars. Um, you, know, you look at uh, Cristiano Ronaldo just got sold to Juventus. Could we get him? Because that'd be great. <laughs> Yeah, he's too much of a poser for he's more us. Of a Cincinnati. So we're, we're gonna, he's more of a Cincinnati guy. Yeah, we, we need some hard-working individuals, and I like the guys in the locker room right now. No, uh, all joking aside, my point was to say, like, you know, Juventus buys him, and then in one day, they literally all make, almost make their whole investment just in selling jerseys. Shirts, yeah. You know, that's amazing, but that is part of the business model that American soccer clubs have to come up to speed. And, and it's a way to produce revenue. It's a way to build things like facilities and infrastructure um, that long-term last for And that's how IAX stays afloat these days. So, I mean, that's pretty, impre- pretty impressive. Yeah. This is where Taylor and I don't know each other at all. We both just nodded at each other like yeah, it's your turn ahead, to ask buddy. a question. I'll, yeah, I'll go then. Fine. 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 Uh, you had talked about talking to... Coaches locally, and uh, I heard on your on the coaches show yesterday, you have a son who's at uh, finishing up high school. He's at IMG, uh, is getting recruited on both coasts. My question to you is: Have you met Ken Lola yet? Ken and I are very good friends. Oh, good. Okay. I've known Ken for an awful long time. Ken used to be the under fifteen national team coach when I was working with the under seventeen. So literally, Ken would be the guy that I would go to and say, "Hey, Ken, who are the guys that I should bring in?" to the under-17 program. So have a really good relationship with Ken. I'm looking forward to um, developing that even more. Uh, if I can ever find time to go over there and say hello, I will. I'm a little busy at the moment. Uh, but maybe, perhaps, uh, that's an opportunity for my younger son to go there. And um, you'll have to ask him, though, because he's telling me he wants to get as far away from me as possible. <laughs> And I, I like Ken a lot. I'd, I'd also recommend Johan Sadergren at UK, just to throw that out there. They're, they're doing some good things over there, too. All right. All right. Fair. It's <laughs> funny that you mentioned going to Ken Lola to, to tell you what players should come in. Is Ken Lola going to tell you what players are going to be coming into the Louisville City squad in the near future? You've been mentioning in interviews that you've got an eye out on uh, maybe expanding the roster. Is that something you expect to come sooner than later? Is that something that you're thinking more long-term? Or are you just waiting for... Uh, to be fair, there's not a whole lot of term left, but yeah. yeah That's no, fair. Look, um, it's no secret. My opinion is that the roster is a little thin right now. We agree. Um, especially with some injuries. And you, and you just need to make sure, especially with these upcoming five games in a short amount of time. And I think we play four in 12 or 13 days. I, I haven't figured that out. But, um, you know, we need some, some support. And so I think you'll be hearing an announcement, you know, as soon as possible about some reinforcements that we've brought in. That is extremely exciting, although I will say that if the rumors are true and that it's Michael Scouse Bromelow, I'm going to be furious. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, let's see here. We talked about you. You, you stole my question, Evan. Uh, you mentioned, uh, uh, you've mentioned a couple times now that the style of play that you'd like to see or the, or the thing that you'd like to see more out of our guys is a more aggressive playing style, more aggressive on offense, more aggressive on defense. My question to you is this. Have you ever, during a break, free kick, somebody's laying on the ground or something, pulled a player inside, pulled a player aside on the sideline and said, you're a little too aggressive. I need you to dial it back a little bit. Is that that thing that has ever, you or any coach has ever said? I don't believe I've ever said that. I, um, and I, look, as a coach, you're always kind of raising the bar. And even when your team is playing great, you expect them to play even better. Um, so look, and, and I would say that this team already plays aggressively, right? And it's a matter of trying to make sure uh, that I come in here and I lead them in the right way and try to make improvements uh, you know, in every little way that I can. But it is a team that is already a winning team, has already established uh, themselves and are the defending USL champions. So um, you know, it's a tough position to come into. It's a unique position to come into because I don't think this happens very often in a coaching change. At the same time, it's a fantastic opportunity. And along that same line, uh, you'd mentioned, you know, I think we're all, we're all going to appreciate the, the, the style that you've espoused, which, again, is aggressive, attacking, ball on the ground, pretty soccer, attractive soccer. But what's wrong with Route 1 the way God intended it? <laughs> Look, the romantic in me and the way that I fell in love with this game, those, those dreaded Tampa Bay Rowdies that I now hate. Yeah, okay? they're terrible. That's the spirit. Yeah, screw them. But... <laughs> Uh, look, those, those guys ignited that passion in me because they, they had some, some creativity to them. And, you know, I would hope that when our fans fill Slugger Field on Saturday that the, the people are there and they get entertained. You know, they're, they're amazed that Cam Lasseter is putting the ball in the back of the net the way he is. Um, you know, that... that Greg making a save is such an important thing, and they can't figure out how he dived that certain way and blocked that shot. There's so many little parts of the game that, you know, I fell in love with it, and I hope fans in our community can do the same thing. I agree with that thoroughly. I think that it's the little pieces of uh, brilliance, whether it be team brilliance or individual brilliance, that really brings people to the park. Uh, We can talk about, you know, ticket sales, but in the end, ticket sales are about, is it fun to come? And the way it's fun to come to the games is when people are doing amazing things like you're talking about. Hold on, but real quick. So, for example, amazing things that keep people coming back. Ilya's bicycle kick was was pretty awesome. One of my sons, he's five, and he can't figure out how to do it yet, so he just lays on the ground and throws a ball in the air and tries to kick it over his head. That's what I I do. I need some instruction on that. So after after the show, you're going to tell me how to tell him to flip over his head and kick a ball. Do you have a swimming pool? No, but I can make one. <laughs> if you're not all out there voting for Ilya to win uh, play goal of the week, then get on Twitter or on Facebook, vote for him, because uh, he deserves it. That was an awesome that's goal. Right, that's right. All right, go ahead, Evan. Sorry. No, you're Taylor, fine. I was just going to tell you, like, uh, an easy way, look, do, throwing yourself in the air the way Ilya did and then literally hitting a ball that's, you know, several feet above Five feet from your, your face. head, yeah. right? And then literally landing on the ground that impact is tough. So uh, what I would say is if you, if you got a mat, if you got a soft surface, you know, if you got a pool, it's much easier to teach some of these acrobatic tricks to kids when they land and it doesn't punish them. Uh, because landing is half the battle. You know, and you look at Ilya and he balances his body 
you know, composure in that moment is exceptional. I mean, that's an athletic move. But he also lands on the ground so that he can pop up and celebrate <laughs> and that's as impressive. I think as even if he was hurt, he probably jumped up and celebrated. So there's. A- I I actually was watching it in a bar, and I had to have a kidney transplant afterwards. <laughs> so I can't even imagine what he was going through. Uh, you talked about how coming off of a championship and coming to a team that is uh, among the you, league leaders again. Yeah, Brad just brought us beers. Brad's Thank you to, to Fall City for getting us some beers along with Brad. Thank you, everybody. Uh, when you were dealing with coming to a team that's had so much success so recently, not even just recently in the terms of the championship, but also the triumvirate, as we have uh, affectionately named them here, uh, the three player coaches did such a phenomenal job while they were running the show. Does that increase the pressure on you to do well? Because it's like, hey, those players did fine. Why is this guy losing? Or, it, or, does, it, or does it just further reinforce how you feel about this club and the, and the quality of the personality that they Way have? Way to give them an out. You gave them an out. You shouldn't have done that. I, I always dig a hole and then build a bridge. It is a high bar, okay? And um, the only thing I would say is that, uh, yeah, it's, it, there is pressure. No question. But um, if you're in the position that I'm in right now, I mean, I wouldn't want it any other way. I don't want to come in here and, and have fans and supporters and, and players who expect anything less than the absolute best that they can give. Um, but sometimes that translates into having a great record in a short amount of time. But in my experience, when you do things on a daily basis and you constantly reach for a higher level of performance, the success is, is something that follows that quite naturally. Speaking of higher levels of, perf- higher levels of performance, uh, how would you grade Brandon Morris's coaching performance on Saturday, on Friday night last week? I literally, I'm like, who the hell is that? <laughs> it was a top quality ten minutes. Who, he did great. Who is standing there posing like a head coach on the sideline? I was like, I am. I don't know who that is. Somebody in my staff, we were watching it in Costa Rica, and and they're like. Heck, who is that? I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, as soon as Luke walked on, I was like, is Brandon going to? Yeah, Brandon's going to be in the technical area. That's fantastic. He looked good, though, didn't yeah. he? Oh, yeah. Like, he stroke a, struck a pose. He looked just like a head coach always. <laughs> he had the arms so. crossed the Sean, whole time. Sean Reynolds pointed out on tour. He's like, oh, look, that's Bra- Coach Brandon Morris subbing on the technical area. That's fantastic. Well, it's because he hadn't gotten rid of the beard yet. It was that's weird true. tonight. <laughs> uh, let's see here. i got a couple other ones. Um, we talked a little bit. Uh, well, we've talked a lot actually about the academy. So let's short term. What's on your to do list? Like, you have a if you have a punch list of beat punch Nashville. List, oh, fair. Ding. Okay. Good answer. Good coach answer. I like that. Good coach answer. That's my <laughs> answer because that's how I'm gonna make you know, sure. All your that... bosses are in the room too. We know that. Yeah. But no, look. Uh, I think on the the real answer is that I need to earn the respect and trust of those players in that locker room. And the only way I can do that is go out and, and be myself and put them in an environment where they feel like they can push themselves. Um, and when you're pushing yourself, you know, there's always that fine line of, of, of you know, putting yourself out there and making a mistake. And I want the players to feel like they can go for it. I want them to feel like they can stretch beyond their beliefs and anything they've done before. And if they make a mistake, that's okay, especially on the training ground, even in games. But that's where we're going to get real growth from. 
And uh, hopefully, if I do it right, you know, they will end up trusting me. They will end up respecting me. Um, and we can grow together and, and make this thing even better than it already is. Good answer. Good answer. Dang like right. That. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like that was awfully soccery. Uh, when you were negotiating your contract, did you require that you had really good seats for Derby or just kind of good seats for Derby? Really good seats. There for Derby. you go. And. And did you require that uh, the bottles of bourbon that we gave you as a uh, welcome gift were really good bottles of bourbon? Exceptionally good bottles of bourbon. Cheers. Now, my wife thinks that we're going to own horses, and we're going to have a horse farm up here, by the way. And I had to break the news to her. Hey, honey, I don't know that it's realistic that... There there are small clubs you can join to start off with. It's like a starter pack, and then you work your way up. Depends on what kind of agent you had, really. That's true, that's true. Uh, I have a a fun question. Uh, I think it's fun anyway. Uh, I was listening, again, to your coach's show last night, and you told a story, uh, and I'm going to paraphrase it as best I can, but the story is this. You were in a car with Brad Estes and uh, Tim Malloy, Correct. Uh, and you guys were driving through a park. He's showing you around the town. Like, here's this great neighborhood. Here's this other park. Here's, this, here's all the wonderful things about Louisville. And uh, while you're driving through a park, you see your son's girlfriend, who's here, is interning in Louisville uh, this summer. And you wait a, sec- wait a tick and then tell Brad and Tim, hey, that was my son's girlfriend we just drove by. Brad does the most Louisville driving thing ever, and no turn signal pops a U-turn. <laughs> comes back around. Uh, Tim rolls the window down and asks this girl if, if she knows you. Now, one, that is one of the most Louisville things you'll ever hear about. The driving and the whole, I know this person that, I haven't, that just happens to be here. Uh, but the, my real question is this. How creepy did you think Brad and Tim were at that moment? I'll be honest. I was pretty scared. <laughs> I didn't know these guys at all. Right? And here we are. We're, we're, we're doing... You know, we're getting on two wheels, going back. We're pulling up. I mean, she's an attractive young lady. She's out exercising. <laughs> Her description of it is that uh, a white van with black tinted windows <laughs> pulls up, and a creepy guy rolls down the window and says, "Hey, little girl, you know John Eckworth." And then, of course, I jump back. out of the she's car. So. It, I, I always wondered why Brad always carried candy with him. I never. <laughs> Because he likes candy. <laughs> Coach, you, you've talked about trying to stay focused on Nashville for this week, and I can't even imagine what it's like to say, hi, I'm your new coach, now get to work, and here's what you're working on. What, when you come into a club like this that's as established as it is, that has been playing the way it has, is there one thing that you want to instill in them, even beyond confidence in you, is there one thing that you want to say... This is the imprint that I make. This is my, this is the John Hackworth stamp. Look, I think that's a process. And the first thing I want to do is make sure that when I'm addressing them, they feel like there is somebody that that has their best interests at heart and wants to teach them something. And today in training was our first opportunity to do that. but they're a really good team already, uh, and they've proven that. You know, they didn't have a coach for the last six weeks, and, and they did fantastic. And um, I'm going to try not to screw that up, by the way. Uh, <laughs> at the same time, 
I'm going to try to point out the things that I think we can get better at. And that's, you know, any good coach's job is to go in there and say, look, I believe that we can do X better. I believe that we can do Y better. And that's really what I'm trying to do right now is, is make sure that um, they know the expectations that I have. And as you said earlier, Taylor, I, I'm not ever satisfied. You know, I'll always, they'll reach one level and I'll immediately expect them to go to the next. And sometimes that's tough, but um, that comes down to when you, you have players who believe in each other, who put the team first over the individual, uh, it's a little easier. And, and the, I shared a quote with them this morning because I read this quote and it was about a team. Uh, it was about the Golden State Warriors. It was about a team that was a team that put the the team first and I said I just read this quote it reminded me of you guys because you guys have done an exceptional job of not you know asking the question what about me you've asked the question what about the team and how can we make this better and that's incredibly difficult to build no matter how good a coach you are uh, in a locker room in any sport in any activity and these guys have shown that they are truly about the the club and about the group and the collective, and that is uh, extremely exceptional. I hope that's why you love them as much as I love them. Cheers. Yep. Evan, I'm out of questions. I've got, I've got one really important question left, and I feel like it's the question that everybody's really curious about. Uh, on a scale from 1 to 10, how much do you despise Cincinnati? It's funny because a, a bunch of my former players play at Cincinnati. Okay, so a lot. So um, they all reached out when when they heard that I I got the job. They won't here. be there next year, so don't and, worry. Uh, <laughs> Touche. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, I I said you know they said congratulations, coach. We want to wish you all the best, except for when we play you. Uh, and I said, look, I, you know how I, I feel about you guys, and I'm glad to see you're doing so well, but um, do not think that I'm going to be friendly to you when we face you. And so uh, they know, you know, they've gotten, um, one of my former players calls it the hack glare, and, oh. and I somehow give that out at times when I'm not so happy. My sons know that Is really well. Is it like the well. Nick Saban death ray that he shoots <laughs> out at President okay. I didn't know that I had that, but apparently most coaches do, and, and I, I certainly do too. So I told them they were going to get that stare when, when I faced them. Well, well I'm glad that uh, they said except when they face you because uh, Cincinnati is really good except when they face us. That's right. Fantastic. I, I, I play to a crowd. <laughs> Tom, I think we're done with questions. Yay. All right, folks, thank you, Taylor and Evan, and thank you, of course, Coach Hackworth. Uh, we're going to take a very quick break, and when we come back, we're going to take your questions in the audience, and uh, we'll get you all on here, and you can ask your questions for Coach Hackworth. So we'll be right back. Sound like a regular Barbara and, Sexton Smith. And, and actually what that means is... Uh, Hey everybody, it's Tom Foolery. Uh, we're going to take a little bit of break from talking to brandly minted, newly minted, brandly newly minted coach John Hackworth. Uh, 
but we're here right now in the afternoon of Tuesday, August the 14th, I believe is the date. And I'm talking to Adam the Wizard Esquire, Watson Wizard Esquire at Against the Grain Brewery. Adam, how are you doing today? I'm well. Greetings, Sapiens. It's good to see you, as always. Pleasure to be here. So tell me what's going on. Uh, things are good. We've got a home match coming up against Nashville on Saturday, which of course everyone should always drink ball control on home match days. Absolutely. 50 cents of every pint to Shirley's Way. That is absolutely correct, so make sure you do that and we'll see you on Saturday. Yeah. But I think you've been doing some travel recently, spreading the good message of beer to the far yonder corners. Moving near and far, telling people all about ATG beer. That's Uh, always good. But in the interest of most of our listeners being relatively nearby, uh, we should talk about the things that we're doing around here. Sounds good. Uh, so the, the stuff that we're doing around here nearby is uh, we're doing a Night Rider bottle release here on Friday the 17th, so the day before. Um, Night Rider is our wine barrel, red wine barrel aged black ale. Um, delightful beer, one of my favorites that we do. So. It is a personal favorite of mine. I think I texted Adam Watson one time and said something vulgar about how much I love Night Rider. <laughs> it's okay, I won't tell anybody. <laughs> So that's coming up this Friday, and then uh, next Friday the 24th, we have our next uh, next injection into the local lineup series, uh, our ongoing outdoor patio concert series here. We, this time we have Projector and Comforter. Should be a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool show. And then uh, the day after that, the 25th, we're doing our Big Gulp Day, awesome. where you can relive your childhood, where you used to go to the soda machine and fill it with a little bit of everything. You can get a big old plastic cup and fill it with a little bit of a bunch of different IPAs that we'll have on. That sounds awesome. So you can mix your own IPAs. But no wheezing the juice. No, no wheezing, wheezing, the, wheezing juice. the juice. No wheezing the juice. That sounds fun. The last time yeah. I was here for an outdoor event, it wasn't the local lineup, but I got my ass rocked off by Vikings. Yeah. So I do recommend you come and check out the patio concerts for the local lineup. And DJ Sam Sneed, I think, is always a fixture of those. Sam Sneed is always there, and he's always awesome. I owned a pair of Sam Sneed golf clubs, which is why I like DJ <laughs> Sam Sneed the best. Nice. So there you go. Very cool. But we got a couple beers in front of us today. Let's talk about those a little bit. Yeah. So uh, I guess first, because we just talked about IPAs, uh, let's drink our current hop offering. This is called Brute Up, our current Brute IPA. Uh, Brute IPA is a style that's just coming on in terms of fads. Uh Brut, B-R-U-T, because of the champagne brut. Right. Um, not the cologne. Not the cologne. Uh, Let's be distinctive about that. Yeah, absolutely not the cologne. But uh, it's meant to be extremely dry and extremely effervescent, uh, much like champagne. So uh, IPA with relatively low bitterness, fermented it very thoroughly to remove all the residual sugars, so you're left with a, a very crisp, drinkable beer that really holds up the uh, dry hop flavor from the end. Right. Uh, blessed by the ghost of Andre the Giant, original and only member of the Brute Squad. I yes, that's true. Very good. The Brute Squad. Cheers. And that is the Brute Squad right there. Yep. It hits you, man, but it's good. I like the citrus element to it. It's very good. Uh, it's honestly smooth for an IPA. I, I enjoy that. Yep. Uh, I think we've discussed that I'm not the biggest IPA man. I'm more of an ale, like uh, lager type guy, right? Sure, yeah, yeah. But that's an IPA that's very drinkable. I enjoy that a lot. I, uh, I, I always prefer the drier side of things to the sweeter side of things. So this one hits me right in my good spot. Yeah, a little bit of pine, you know, a lot of pine maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, all around a very good beer. I enjoy that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, good. And our second one, because we need to continue the two beer tradition, uh, is my favorite 80s movie reference on our board at the moment. 
uh, fast times at Ridgemont Rye, <laughs> right? Uh, so this is a, a rye French farmhouse saison uh, with a, an assortment of uh, herbs and spices. And the herbs and spices come in really mellow. Thyme is the most prominent amongst them. Very good. You know, we have to change the beer to suit the name. Right. <laughs> so, uh, fast times at Ridgemont Rye. You should get both thyme and rye in here. The Saison yeast gives it a cool, fruity note. Right. Uh, I, I am enjoying this more than I thought I would, but I really am. <laughs> I've been waiting for you, Adam. Yeah. Cheers. Let's go. Oh, yes. The thyme element is very distinctive. Little, little spicy, little herby. Yeah. I like it. Uh, botanical elements, yeah, as they might say go. in the industry. Botanical. <laughs> yeah, strawberries. <laughs> I like that quite a lot. Yep. And considering I'm a big Judge Reinhold fan, it makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, doesn't anybody knock around here? My God. I'm a big Forrest Whitaker fan. And <laughs> there you yeah. go. Perfect. Well, Adam, I appreciate those samples, and I hope folks come down here to Against the Green and try them out, along with ball controls we mentioned earlier. And where can we find you on the Twitter webs? You can find me on the Twitter box machines at ATG Wizard Esquire. ATG Wizard ESQ. Thank you so much. Bye. Perfect. And now we're back here at Fall City Brewing Company with Coach John Hackworth on a joint Barrel Proof plus Scouse's House in the House podcast. And what we're going to do right now is the audience question and answer section of our podcast tonight. And I've got a microphone right here that I'm going to use for that uh, as I do a little producing. So what I want you to do is you're going to come up here and join me. And you're going to face coach, and you're going to raise your hand first. I'll point you out. You bring up here. i got a hand right here first. So, sir, come on up here. And when you do come up here, I want you to take the microphone. I want you to tell me your name into the microphone and then ask your question. Hey, coach. This is Cody. Um, I'm with Scouse's House. And the first thing I'd like to say is welcome to Louisville. You're going to love it here. I already do, Cody. Thank you. And the question that I have is you were talking about um, the – depth of the roster and technical staff and a few other positions that need to be filled. Uh, what technical staff are you looking to fill this year, and do you have a short list for those staff and the players? Yes, on both ends, um, you know, I probably referenced in a couple other interviews that when I was in Costa Rica with under-17s, I was, I was doing double duty. Um, so a lot of my time has been filled recently with uh, looking at potential players to bring in, but also potential staff to bring in. So we would like to bring in uh, a first assistant as soon as possible. But again, this is a unique situation because we're in the middle of a season and some of those same people that I would be reaching out to are currently working for other clubs. Um, so I, I need to be careful about that and I'm working on that. But uh, we would also like to bring in another goalkeeper coach um, right now, and I'd like to give a shout-out to Scott Budnick. He is a local uh, coach who uh, has volunteered, and he joined us this morning and is working with the goalkeepers already. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've just met him this morning, but uh, to his credit, he did everything I asked. He didn't talk back. He didn't do anything crazy. So uh, I like him already. 
He's a friend of Brad's, so that's a strike against him. But besides <laughs> that, uh, it's all fair. Uh, but, you know, uh, again, I'm trying to make sure that we bring in the right people into the club, both on the staffing uh, side and on the player side. So we're going to be extremely selective to who those individuals are. I like that you brought up uh, Coach Budnick because I was walking downtown this afternoon at lunchtime, and I actually saw Luke Spencer uh, and said hey to him real quick. Uh, but then I saw another gentleman, and I asked Brendan Morris. I said, Brendan, I saw this beast of a man walking downtown this afternoon. He's like, oh, that's Coach Budnick. I'm like, okay, all right. He's a very large, intimidating man. Well, and just more background on Scott. He's a, you know, he's a, he's a coach for Kentucky Fire Juniors, uh, the local club here in town. He just got back from Olympic Development Program coaching. I think he was up in Chicago or something like that. Uh, so he's, he's got, he knows his stuff. He's a lawyer at Wyatt Terry and Combs as well, I think. So it was obviously I, I like can him. hold that against him. Yeah, no, it's fine. Uh, so, you know, that's cool. It's a good local find. I'm glad to hear that. All right, more questions. Who wants to ask a question? Put your hand up right there. Over there, sir. Come on up here. Give me your name and ask your question. Here comes a really good beard. That is a good one. Thank you. Damn, that is a really he can sweep, good He can beard. sweep floors with that beard. Can I say Thank that you. on Thank this you. podcast? Fine with me. It's not my podcast. You can can I- <laughs> You can say. I mean, are there any kids in the audience out here? Or is this adult only? So, uh, my name my name is Ron Coach. Uh, nice hey to meet you. Hey, Ron, how you doing? Um, we've gone from a four man backline to a three man backline, and then back to a four man backline. Do you think you'll stick with the four man backline formation, or do you think you're going to make some uh, changes in that aspect? Give the game plan away, Coach. Yeah. So Nashville, if you're listening, we're going to play with two in the back on Saturday. <laughs> Look, my, my preference is to play with four. At the same time, I want to make sure that I understand the reasoning of why we were playing with three and what the players felt um, obviously very strongly about, why three in the back was important to them. Uh, and ultimately it comes down to the players that we select to put on the field on Saturday, and if the personnel is better with three, then we'll play with three. But, you know, from a philosophical standpoint, I like four in the back. Um, I think you can put more numbers in the attack. That doesn't necessarily mean I need four players to stay back there. I like the fullbacks to attack at will. Uh, And so eventually when one fullback, you know, say it's Oscar, is flying up the left flank, uh, then Kyle's going to have to tuck in, and effectively then you have three in the back. But it's a balance of, and, and knowing how and when to go forward at the right times. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things you had said on one of your first press availabilities was uh, you're going to have your preferences, but you're going to mold your formation to the team and the players you have, and that adaptability is, is great, I think. Thank you. Absolutely. Other questions? Raise your hand. Devin, right here. Come on, buddy. Give me your name and ask your question. Um, Devin Reardon with Scouts' House. Uh, as someone who is used to giving things to the goalkeeper on the opposing side... Presence? Eh, it's a little you bit. You said things. I figure it's pretty. Yeah. Uh, Are you creative I'm, I'm, I'm in, in nice. the things that you give? <laughs> we uh, do our best. All right. So, Excellent. A lot of good vocab words towards right. the uh, advice. opposing goalkeeper. You give him good yeah. advice. Uh, is there anything that you would throw towards us that could help us cheer you on because Hackworth does not have the best ringtone. Ring yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so to speak. Doesn't rhyme with much. It's not super chantable. Yeah. 
Well, I would just suggest that you break hack worth into either hack or worth, because those things are easier to... I mean, hack attack is the best we have so far, but... <laughs> yeah, you'll have to ask some of my childhood friends, because when we would have cut-down contests, my childhood friends came up with some really bad names to call yeah, them. We, there's plenty of bad things, but I, I want the good side. <laughs> well, we want to build you up. <laughs> we'll get email addresses after the show from his childhood friends. Exactly. Yeah, I'm on my way to Florida right now, actually. Actually, one of them's from Nashville, so this is a little bit of a grudge match for us. Other questions? Put your hands up out there in the audience. Questions for Coach Hackworth. Anyone? Brianna, come up here and tell me that your name is Brianna. Not as good of a beard. (laughs) My name is Brianna. Brianna. Hey, Brianna. Um, And I am with Barrel Proof as well. Um, My question is regarding what you're looking for um, in regards to um, adding some depth to the team. If there's anything specific that you're looking for, if you want to say anything about that. Like someone with a left foot? (laughs) That would be nice. Kind of, you know, what are you looking for, I guess? Yeah, I I think when I personally watch this team from afar, I think of uh, holding midfielder. I mean, I think Paolo and Speedy are fantastic, and they do such a tremendous job, but um, both of them like to get forward. Both of them like to be creative and possession-type players. They're not your typical defensive midfielder, so I think that is an area where we could, could look for a potential signing. And then I also think adding a defender, uh, potentially somebody with a left foot would be great, Taylor. Um, and... You know, those are areas that, for me, stand out uh, as immediate needs. We have, you know, a lot of depth in our attacking players, um, but not so much depth in our defensive line. Excellent. More questions. Come on up, sir. Tell me your name and tell me your uh, your sign preference in terms of <laughs> bourbon, and then ask your question. Howdy, my name is Anthony Galasso. Uh, my question was, there's a lot of talk about tactics and developing academies, but in terms of match day fitness, do you have a philosophy as far as getting the guys fit, getting them in the best possible condition for the games? Do you have any physical training philosophies that maybe you've developed over your time in coaching? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, look, I, I come from uh, an exercise physiology background, uh, that's what I studied. Uh, I have family members that were professional athletes and um, have studied how they... Uh, my, my brother was a professional cyclist, and if, you're, if you know cycling at all, they're, they're ridiculous in how they prepare. Um, so I believe in a physical... Those guys group. really like drugs, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, was about to, I was about to try to think of a really good steroids <laughs> joke, and I, I was waiting for Taylor to beat me to I've it. I've got I'm cycling sorry. jokes for days, don't worry about it. All right, me. so my brother took a lot of drugs, all right? But, <laughs> so they're bad that. drugs, they're drugs. <laughs> Uh, no, my brother was one of those guys that was a hard worker. And, and uh, anyway, let me get down to your question. My point is that um, I put together every week a physical periodization plan. And that means that we, we hopefully very scientifically put together how we're going to prepare players for not only the match on Saturday, but how we're going to make sure that they're increasing their fitness as the season goes on. Um, and we, we put that into place in conjunction with a tactical plan. So you have to do both at the same time. You have to measure how hard you want to push them physically and what is the idea or the objective of a training session tactically that you want to get across. So I believe firmly in that. There's a little bit of uh, art to that science, if you will. 
Um, but that's something that I've always tried to experiment with in my coaching and, and feel I'm, I'm well-grounded in. Excellent. Quick uh, cycling story. Or not story. <laughs> fact. Cool facts. Uh, and I'm not saying your brother was any part of this, but the reason that doping in sports, like, like, uh, like the world uh, doping agency exists, is because guys that would ride in the Tour de France in the 1960s were taking methamphetamine after every day so they could get up and get going for the next race. So that's the reason that drug testing even exists in sports and cycling. But those dudes are, are crazy. Taylor, can we do a podcast later on just about you know, performance enhancement? <laughs> oh, oh, I'm all about it. See, that was, that was my fact this. is that we need to get your brother up here. Um, Believe it or not, I'm like he the said he's coming up for a game September 8th. Good. So, uh, well, what I was don't tell say, the cops. I'm, I'm like the portrait of Dorian Gray, <laughs> except I stay fat, so my brother can stay fit. Uh, my brother, uh, we Louisville has hosted and will host again the World Cyclocross Championships. So hopefully your brother comes up and checks that out oh, with us. That's cool. When yeah. is that? I think actually this winter is coming up. Uh, maybe really cool. So get him on up here for a match, and then we'll uh, check out some Belgians riding on bicycles. Absolutely. Uh, anyone else? Questions out there in the audience? Put your hand up so I can see you. Right here, man. Come on up. Welcome to Louisville, uh, Coach. Thank you. Hey, I, I heard you mention some words, and I'll go back to them. Uh, creativity, aggressive, and I've heard the same thing from the players. You know, I'm a fan. I don't know much about soccer in itself. Back lines, three, four. Hey, if they score, if they make the good save, I'm entertained. But the idea of being creative, and you can prepare them physically, you can prepare them with a game plan, but that idea of creativity, is that something that uh, you encourage? And what percentage, you know, give it a number that you can say within a match, you're going to see this much creativity, you know, 90%, 50%. I'm, a, I'm an engineer. I like to have a number associated yeah. with things. That's it's a really interesting question because I'm not sure that you can put a percentage on uh, specifically each player. For instance, if you took a center back, okay, a guy who is you know, in charge of making sure that the opposing team doesn't score, you really don't want him trying to be creative <laughs> right at the top of the you know, Sean Tosh, that message is for you, buddy. <clears throat> but... I will say this, you need to encourage creativity with all of your players because he's going to be in a moment that nobody can tell him he's going to be in. That's the beauty of the game of soccer. He's going to be in a moment where no, nothing that happened to him previously in his career is going to say, do this. And he's going to have to make a decision and do something that he never expected to do. On the same time, you talk about attacking players and farther up the field, you know, absolutely, you want them to take risk. You want them to, to go for it because a lot of times it won't work, but it's the next play where a defender thinks, what is this guy going to do? And, he, and if the more you can keep those opponents unbalanced in their thinking about what you're going to do, that's so important to how you really break down a team. So I encourage creativity. I tell my, my center backs not to do it a lot. <laughs> But at the same time, you know, the front five, they have license, especially in, in terms of where we are in the field. In the attacking third, it's up to them. You know, I will give them full uh, ability to go forward and do whatever they want. Um, 
that comes with some risk because half the time or more it doesn't work. Um, but they have hopefully the, the from the coaching staff the idea that they are allowed to do that. And that freedom and that willingness, I think, is a really important principle to attacking soccer. Awesome. Let's get uh, one more question here before we start to wrap up for the night. Scouse, you want to ask a question? Scouse. I'm currently saluting. That's my <laughs> president. I'll salute back. Hang on a second. He has to say that. This is, this is radio. I'm required. <laughs> so we've, we've heard an awful lot about um, your philosophy and how you're going to approach the game. In um, the time that you've been coaching soccer, who are your mentors and who are the people that you have learned from the most? Yeah, that's great. And and I'm going to probably bring up some people that you might not know about, but that you should. So I would encourage you to do those Google searches. But the first guy is Walt Chiswitz. He was my college coach at Wake Forest. Um, I really think that he is one of the mentors and grandfathers of, of soccer in this country. He's a former national team coach, Olympic team coach. He started the coaching schools in this country. Uh, and under him, I learned so much, uh, not only how to be uh, a better soccer player, but also how crazy this game was and to fall in love with it in ways that I never imagined and to really manage, you know, being a coach and all the things that encompasses. He believed in me, and that, I think, is the start of any uh, good coach or good mentor is to recognize um, that a person loves something and has some potential in it. Uh, and his assistant, who um, became the head coach at Wake Forest for a long time, uh, and now is the, the head coach at, at Pittsburgh, Jay Vitovich, was another uh, mentor of mine. He's uh, one of the best college coaches there is, but I would say he's one of the best coaches in this country. Um, he has developed so many players that have gone on to play for not only the national team, but you know MLS and, and so many teams. Um, he's been influential. And along the way, I've had you know Bruce Arena, Bob Bradley, um, most recently Dave Sarakin, uh, and, and, and the list goes on and on. Uh, a guy that I, I want to mention, Maybe people know him as Bob Gansler. He was Walt Chiswick's best friend. And uh, as a young player, I was still playing in these times, and sitting at the dinner table or sitting around having a beer and watching these two talk soccer tactics. And they would literally write them on a cocktail napkin half the time. But I, I wish I would have saved all those cocktail napkins because that lesson alone, just sitting there and listening to some of the brilliant minds of soccer at the time, uh, talk about the game and talking about their experiences was invaluable for me. Amazing. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, especially Coach John Hackworth, uh, for coming out and sitting down with us tonight. Thank you to Taylor and Evan for doing an amazing job, as they always do hosting. Thank you to me for being amazing at what I do. Uh, <laughs> but, Coach, I believe, and this is a new experience for us, we can find you on Twitter, at Hackworth Soccer. That's right. Yes, I have no idea how that works, but I'll, uh, I'll try to like most things if I ever get around that to it. That seems to be the trend so far, and we like being liked, so we got no problem with that. Uh, you can find Barrelproof at BarrelproofFC. Uh, you can find the Coopers at Lou Coopers on Twitter. Evan and Scouse, I think you guys are still at Scouse's house on Twitter. Uh, Scouse's house in the house podcast records on Tuesdays, as does Barrelproof. You can find them on all the various podcasting sites and whatnots and iTunes and all that stuff. 
So we really appreciate everyone. We especially appreciate Fall City Brewing for having us. John Neese, Shane Hudick, all the bartenders and, and pizza, hometown pizza, for bringing out the pizza. And we thank all of you. And we will see you on Saturday at Slugger. Talk about cha-cha, tango waltz or the rumba. Sinora's dance has no title. You jump in the saddle, hold on to the bridle. Jump in the line, rock your body and time. Okay, I believe you jump in the line. Rock your body, rock your body, child. Jump in the line, rock your body and time. Somebody help!